0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to our interview podcast series, episode number 195, and we are here with Jason Kern, the head boys basketball coach at West Branch, Iowa. And for all you history nerds like me out there, that is the home of Herbert Hoover, the 32nd president of the United States, I believe. Uh, Am I right? Where am I? Am I right there, Kern? I think Man,
1: you're asking the wrong person. I don't know. Uh, I, know he, maybe 31st. I know
0: he maybe thirty-first
1: president got us. Everybody blames him for the Great Depression, but I'm not sure what number it
0: was. uh now, now, technically, not. To, I'm going to give a little 10-second history nerd thing. It really wasn't <laughs> Hoover. He could have done more to to prevent the depression from escalating, but it was the hands-off economic policies of Harding and Coolidge that really caused the depression. And there you go. So uh, (laughs) I'm just, anyway, uh, Jason Curran, head boys basketball coach at West Branch, Iowa. Uh, Before, before, A, before I bore the crap out of everybody with more history nerd knowledge, and B, we got to get these things taken care of. We want to thank our founding sponsor, Cosec Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes have any issues, with balanced neck or spinal uh, difficulties, have them go see Kosak Chiropractic. Follow us on Twitter at A Pen and A Napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, go to uh, iTunes, download, rate, review, give us five stars, say nice things. When you do that, it helps us with the ratings because when people look up a coaching basketball podcast, this pops up higher and higher, so that's what we want to have happen. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach Kern, you got the two little ones running around. Uh, sounds like it's a little chaotic. Sounds like uh, uh, basketball practice might be a little less chaotic than than maybe some stuff around the house there sometimes.
1: That is the truth. That is the truth. But it's, it's fun coming home and being bad, though, that's for sure, especially oh. after a loss or something like that. You're always You always get to come home and then someone loves you at least (laughs) so
0: 2003 um cubs lose heartbreaker you know game six the bartman game all that stuff uh game seven carrie wood has been awesome for six months and then he gets tagged all over the place yada 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 i'm in my basement after the last out i'm i'm crying i'm a grown man i'm 30 years old at the time and i'm i'm literally crying jason And my wonderful, beautiful three-year-old son comes downstairs. He's now twenty-three, but at the time he's three, he comes downstairs, and I've got a couple of empty uh, drinks in front of me. And he says, "It's okay, Daddy. There's always next year." And I was like, "No, there's not. You don't understand." And I, you know, so he didn't care. He didn't know. He didn't know about you know steve garvey and and 1998 and all you know 1969 so uh, oh yeah so that's the good stuff there so uh coach kern it's it's been awesome getting to know you the last few years at snow valley we got to work a little usa basketball together here a few weeks ago uh and uh by proxy through you getting to know your dad a little bit so uh really excited that you're on the podcast here this week um let's uh let's get things started the way that we normally get it going here uh let's let's give you the chance to, to talk about you uh your your background your your uh basketball journey and and how you ended up at West Branch as the boys basketball coach
1: yeah for sure thanks for having me Marty yep. uh you know I'm from a small town in Kelowna Iowa just uh 15 miles south of Iowa City uh, yeah, I grew up coach's son my dad was uh Assistant Basketball coach, and then a head basketball coach later at Mid Prairie. So, I was assistant for Coach Don Showalter uh, for about uh, 25 30 years. Uh, so, my brother and I my brother's two and a half years older than me. We grew up in the gym uh, and played for Coach Show. We actually went to a state championship my senior year. My brother had a lot of success there, um, and I knew after college, uh, no, I wasn't quite good enough to go play at the college level. But I knew I wanted to stay in the game. Uh, in some facet some way. So I ended up being a student manager for five years um at University of Northern Iowa, um, under Coach Ben Jacobson. Uh and I learned a lot there and the team had a lot of success when I was there. Uh, you know, best known for making the sweet sixteen when Ollie for open issues the three to yeah. to beat Kansas. So
0: the ultimate oh. no 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 yes shot in the basketball it, history. Exactly. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. So uh, that, that was a great uh, experience, and I had a lot of fun. Like I said, I learned a, a lot uh, about basketball, just the game and, and how to coach it and X's and O's and just just about everything. Uh, so I knew, you know, after getting my foot in there, I really wanted to try to stay in the college game. Um, so I was fortunate. You know, it's about all about who you know, not what you know. And so I knew uh, Jacob Spielbauer, uh, you know, Kenny Spielbauer, his son. So he was down in Louisiana, and he was an assistant coach at Northwestern State. So um, through that connection, I uh, was able to be a graduate assistant coach at Northwestern State in Natchitoches, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Um, I was there for two years, and I worked for uh, Coach Mike McCarthy, who's the all-time winningest college coach in Louisiana history. Um, he's also the second all-time leading scorer in Louisiana Tech history, behind you know who. Uh, I,
0: I I think I'm right when I say is Carl
1: Malone, right? Carl Malone, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah so Carl Malone. Um, so I was there for two years, uh, learned a, a lot about the game as well, and then I kind of came to a standstill. I didn't know, you know, after I got my master's and graduated from there, you know, do I want to? I kind of wanted to get out of Louisiana, but I actually met a, a girl at the time who is now my wife. Um, and women are, you know, always play a crucial part in your life. And I knew I wanted to stay down there. So mm-hmm. there had been a high school, um, that was in the same city that had a job opening, a private school. But the problem was they they were really bad at basketball and they'd won, you know, no games, uh, two years previous to me. And then two games the year before I, uh, You know, took the job So I was like, ah, do I really want this, you know But I'm 25, this would be a great uh, time to get my feet wet And, you know, have your first head coaching job So I ended up taking that And uh, down in Louisiana, football is uh, kind of God down there, down south, you know So with that being said, I also had to be a football coach (laughs) And my first year down there, we uh, won the state championship in football And the state championship down there is not until... The first, second week of December. So, with that being said, you know, it's a, it was a smaller school. I had all my basketball players, besides about five or six of them, that played football. Uh-huh. So, we played our first 10 games of the basketball season without uh, any of those kids. Wow. <laughs> so, so, that was tough running. Uh, just Necessity
0: is the mother of invention there, huh?
1: Right. We, yeah. we were not very uh, good that first year. You know, one about, I think it was six games, went like six and 20. And then the next year we won a conference championship and then my third year you know we we had a lot of good talent and uh, we ended up making it to the state championship game
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and once again my wife ended up getting a job up in uh, iowa at the university of iowa so we actually lived my last uh, year down there we were engaged uh apart she was up here in iowa and i was down in louisiana a while playing a wedding and whatnot and so i knew I, I had to get a job up here in iowa so Um, There was one job open, uh, and it was was West Branch, so all hands in, and luckily uh, I got an interview and I got the job, Mm -hmm. and with that being said, this will be my uh, sixth year now as uh, head coach at uh, West Branch High School.
0: Yeah. Um, Is she originally from Iowa, just out of curiosity? Mm -hmm.
1: No, she is from uh, Houston, Texas.
0: Oh, okay. So she, yep. so you like flip flopped it there. You went down to Louisiana, In- and then she came up to Iowa. So yeah,
1: we knew we wanted to get to Texas or Iowa, and
0: yep. so yep. she
1: got a chance to get to Iowa. So I was like, I, I got to jump on
0: it. Hey, you made the right decision there. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you-, you talked about your dad, great guy, uh, and you know, just you know, what's it, uh, what's it been like with with your father and just the, the influence that, that he has had with, you know, kind of stoking your passion for, for the game.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. You know, the love came from my dad, um, man, I can remember, you know, it's nice having a father as a coach because, you know, you get the keys of the gym so you can go whenever whenever you want. Uh-huh. Uh, there's many late nights we spent down there with uh, my brother and, and my dad just battling it out in the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just, just my dad, is he's an intense, he's a motivator, you know, a hard worker. Uh, and, you know, we talk about as head coaches, we need that, a good assistant coach. My dad was one of the best assistants you could ever ask for. You know, didn't ever need recognition or the fame, um, but so many things that he did behind the scenes that made so many teams at mid Prairie successful, um, you know, that, that you don't get seen, uh, being the guy, you know, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, and he had a great uh, privilege to work for (sighs) Coach Showalter. who's one of the best to ever do it. Um, you know, and I couldn't have asked for a better dad uh, growing up that, uh, you know, did everything he possibly could for my brother and I to, to, for us to be able to reach, uh, you know, the pinnacle successes that we've had in our life and, and just, you know, push through and uh, got to where we wanted to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have gotten to do a, a lot of things that we've been able to to do in our lifetime with like basketball or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then going with Coach Showalter, you know, he was like another, another second, you know, dad to us, uh, you know, as – we were growing up with my dad being his assistant, you know, as long as I was alive from a baby to me graduating high school mm-hmm. and then even in coming back uh, when I was in college. So yeah. we we got to learn from two really great guys growing up that, uh, uh, you know, a lot of kids don't get that privilege. So, you know, that just really made me hungry and, and wanted to be a coach uh, seeing two role models like that, um, mm-hmm. do that.
0: Was it was it difficult at times, especially like when you were in high school, uh, to have the dual roles of, well, when am I your coach and when am I your dad? I, I, I would envision, and again, I don't know your dad very well, but I feel like I know him a little bit enough to say I think he would have a very good balance about he knew when it was time to be dad and he knew when it was time to be coach, but you tell us.
1: Yes, I uh, know for sure, so couple of things. I mean, I think he learned because my brother was two years older than me. So, uh-huh. uh, he, my brother and him butted heads quite a bit. We'll just say that <laughs> there's there some, uh, some things, you know, my brother is a tremendous player, a lot more talented than I ever was. Um, so, you know, he kind of saw that first and then not saying he saw, I didn't want to do, but he, he really pushed my brother to become the best player he possibly could be.
0: Uh-huh. And,
1: but I also saw, you know, some of the kickback that my brother would give him and and just being hard headed. Um, me and my dad definitely got a, got along a lot better in that aspect where we didn't, um, you know, challenge each other as much. And uh, no, he for sure knew, you know, when he was coach and when he was dad. But you know, with that being said, you know, when you are a coach's son, you've got to earn everything you're given. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to be given anything. You know, they're always going to be a little bit harder on you. Um, and you know, you, you have to be. Yeah. Uh, especially this day and age with. You Know a lot of people having parent problems and everything else. You, you know, you got to be a little bit tougher on your own kid, and, and they got to get it. And, and you know, just growing up, they they know you and they know what you can take and what you can't take. And yeah. um, so I, I thought he bounced it very well, mm-hmm. uh, in that aspect. And and we got along great and we had a lot of success as well.
0: Yeah, what uh, you know, obviously the, the the simplest part of this, so I'm going to take one possible answer away from you, Kern, uh, with yeah. this next question. Uh, you. you like you said, you came into this school as a young coach in Louisiana. They had they had really struggled a couple of years before you got there. Your first year, uh, kind of had a, a tough start to it. But within three years, you're you're playing in a state championship game, and they you know your your uh, your freshman had three. I think I, I saw it was three wins their their first year as freshmen, and then when they're seniors, they they win twenty eight games. They're playing a state championship game, other than having better talent um what what were some key things that you felt like and and don't be modest here uh what are some things that you felt like you did that really helped key this turnaround from kind of a doormat to the the penthouse so to speak
1: yeah you know the biggest thing is like i said i I came into a a, you know traditional rich football school Mm -hmm. so that was the first thing and and I really think helping coach football, I saw those kids on an everyday basis in that, and they knew I was a grinder and, and wanted to work with them. And I, I really do think being younger and being able to relate with them uh, helped out a lot. And then, I mean, man, we just, they bought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I liked about Louisiana, there, there wasn't a lot of rules, right? So you now I could work out kids legit all year round. Uh-huh. You know, where in Iowa, you can't really touch them in the fall once school starts. You can just have open gyms, but you can't coach them. Yeah. You no, know, down there it was, um, you know, we, we worked during the season. We had a PE period for athletics, and then any guys that wanted to come in, you know, after school or late at night would work. So we really, we just, you know, the the biggest thing was they were when I got there, they were all sophomores, uh-huh. the the bulk of the the class. Um, and I told that first team, you know, we had we had three or four seniors, and I said you know, guys, you, you guys are building a foundation. And I, I said, you guys aren't going to understand this right now. Seniors, you know, you just want to win right away. I said, but the process is huge and you guys are setting, you know, a foundation, building a foundation, setting a precedent for these younger guys. Um, and I said, I, you know, I, I know that's hard for you guys to see right now losing all these games, but uh, you know, we really are building um, something, you know, from the ground up mm-hmm. and, you I think some of the guys you saw a little bit of success the first year, but we really we had a young core. My best player was a, a freshman and an eighth grader uh-huh. at that time. You can uh-huh. play varsity as a seventh grader down there. Wow, actually. So I had a six, six uh, eighth grader, and then that next year he was a freshman, and then I had another kid that was um, a sophomore. Um, that were probably our two most talented players, mm-hmm. and. So I really, you know, leaned on them, and and when you can get those younger kids to buy in at that age, and then they can start seeing success, uh, and you know, you got to make it fun for them as well, um, and and you you know, you got to have fun with them, be able to relate with them and in, in their lives, and and not so much, you know, there's they're still that coach-player relationship, but sure. they know the fine line. But you also have to, you know, sometimes kick back and listen to some music they do, some of that, you know, and just get some little buy-in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But, man, we we worked. We grinded. Our summers, you know, uh, down there, those kids worked their tails off. We we would have, you know, like I said, a lot of our kids played football and basketball. So they'd wake up. We'd have lifting uh, from 8 to 10. They would do football from uh, 10 to noon, and then they would come to me for basketball from 12 to noon, or from 12 to 2. Wow. So that was uh, four days a week um all summer wow yeah that's working Um, that's working and and, you know and that's the thing is you aren't gonna find uh kids like that much anymore that's Uh what i was it's it's just hard kids are doing so much and especially in iowa we have summer baseball and Uh you know they seven on seven football and everything else it's just it's so hard to get the buy-in from kids like that anymore Uh Uh, i'm not saying they're not hard workers anymore but it's they just they, they don't want to be in a gym and and get better and 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 basketball is a hard sport man it's a tough sport okay. you know there's there's five spots on the floor uh you know football there's 22 different you know positions you can play yeah uh you know baseball there's nine like basketball's tough and it, it's not easy yeah and you can get exposed real quick yeah um so i, I think it's a, it's a tough sport for kids to buy into um because you know, it's not easy, and, and you do have to work to, to become, you know, good. Uh-huh. Uh, and if you don't, you you're, you get exposed real quick.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned a couple of things there, the differences between Louisiana and Iowa um, with, like, the ability to work with kids outside of the season, that type of stuff. What what are some other, you know, what would be two, three, four other things, uh, if, if the list goes that long, Jason? Uh, what, yeah. what would be other differences that you saw growing up in Iowa than spending an extended amount of time in Louisiana now coming back to Iowa. What are some other big differences that you see between and not and maybe not even necessarily Louisiana, but just the the deep south versus the Midwest?
1: Yeah, I would say I mean the athletes down there are are crazy, right? Like the athleticism's through the roof. Um, you know, but Midwest wise, I, I still think guys are so fundamentally sound up here. Um, um. You know, a a lot of teams down there, it's all full court, run and jump. You know, we're playing. You know, we're going to get it and go. Um, And we didn't have a team like that, per se, so we had to slow it down. So we contrasted against a lot of them and and got them kind of out of their game. Uh, You know, some big differences in, like, they do, like, a PowerPoint system, which I love down there, which we don't do in Iowa. Yeah,
0: we have Um, that in Nebraska.
1: Yeah, I really wish we would go to that. Um you know, another thing is we do everybody plays together in the regular season, but then we go private and public, uh, in the postseason. Okay. So if you're you're a private school, you're playing against all private schools in the postseason. And if you're a public school, you're playing against all public schools in the postseason. You have your own state tournament and everything else. So that you know, some people like it, some people don't. Um I know there's a lot of conflict in Iowa with that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they just play at their own class size And doesn't matter if you're private or public um, I, I see both ways to it um, yeah. I'm not saying one way is better than the other But uh, I think something definitely does need to be done As far as some of those private schools Especially if you're in like a bigger city like Des Moines Or, you know, Davenport, it's a city Like, they probably should go up a class uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you got a lot more kids to pick from
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, And whatnot um, but, you know, difference was another big difference was, man, uh, if you were a head coach down there in, in basketball or football, you'd have your CDL. Um, that was okay. one of the stipulations for the job. So I drove the school bus to every single football, basketball game. Wow. Um, you know, and we had a conference opponent, and the uh, farthest one was two hours away. So, you know, that's on a school night. I'm driving a bus to place two hours away coaching in the game and then driving back two hours getting up going to school the next morning so i actually didn't mind driving the school bus truthfully um kind of get your head in a good place and yeah it's not so fun after a 20 point loss or something on the road but <laughs> but uh it, it's good because we had a police escort and man we're we're going seventy five till that like Governor shuts off, and we're getting home.
0: So. I love it uh maybe maybe sometimes I don't after that twenty point loss, it was better for you to have to drive, so you you had to concentrate on the driving and unless you know you might be stewing in a, a couple of the seats back there, and then you might say something you might regret or something like that too. So it might have been a little bit of a silver lining in there
1: yeah there there's pros and cons to it let's just say that
0: uh-huh. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to a napkin.com a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our A Pen and a Napkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. A pen and a napkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. You're up at West Branch. You come back from Louisiana. Uh, You are. uh, If there were royalty at Mid-Prairie, your family would be part of it. Uh, You come back, and not only do you move back to the area, but you move back to a conference school. How weird was it going back into Mid-Prairie's gym and coaching on the other side of the bench on, on the, on the opposite side of where the Kearns had spent, you know, basically, you know, almost three decades at, in that gymnasium and going into the opposition's locker room, that, that had to be a bit of a surreal experience for you.
1: Yeah. You know, it's crazy. You know, first of all just walking in the school and seeing all the trophies and all the plaques and teams on the wall and, and some of the teams that you had been a part of and then, you know, the gymnasium's even, like, named after my, my cousin. Uh, and just, like you said, you, you know, just been there for years and years. That's all I knew was uh, mid prairie basketball growing up, you know. And uh, Coach Show had built something really special there and and with my dad. And um, it, 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 was, it was really weird. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, you kind of get chills that first time going there. I still do even every other time. Mm-hmm. You know, we get there early. We sit in the bleachers and – you you still see the familiar faces, the same PA announcers doing the game, um, and just you know the smell of that gym—you'll never get out of your your, your mind. And um, it, it it was crazy, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, like I said, to my assistant coach is, is from Mid Prairie as well. He was three years younger than me, so played there and and actually helped assist there for my dad as well. So he he sees it too, and it's just we we don't really enjoy going back there too much. Um, you know, it's crazy is when we were at mid Prairie West branch was never like that school, like that we were rival with or Uh that we, you know, really had that much competition with. truthfully, Uh um, you know, it was just another game on the schedule. And now it's like, everybody's got it circled and you know, it's, it's big, big game. And, uh, but truthfully, you know, we just treat it as another game and, uh, it's it's fun going back. You know, my my parents and uh, grandparents uh, and aunts and uncles uh, get to come and watch it. And, um, you know, I think there's just obviously some people that you knew from mid-prairie that you had as past principals, uh, teachers, coaches, obviously, I think come to that game too to kind of see, a, you know, alumni and, and they want you to have some success as well. Not saying they want us to probably beat them, but... Um, <laughs> i think they come to that game uh you know maybe because of that I, I don't know how many other games they actually do go to yeah um but you know it's it, it's fun uh just to go back to you know to where you're from yeah. right like never forget where you came from you know that that place shaped me uh into the person i am today and and you know somewhat of the coach i am today uh-huh. um you know the the life lessons blood sweat and tears that i you know have given to that school and whatnot and um, that have helped me develop into the person I am today. So it's, uh, it's, there's some pros and cons to it. Um, but you know, overall, it is fun going back there and and seeing everything again and, and kind of being part of a new rivalry. Mm -hmm.
0: You, uh, you and I kind of traveled a somewhat same route when, when we went to college. I'm, I'm a little bit more, as we say, on a pen and a napkin seasoned and experienced than you are, but, uh, you know we, we were both not college athletes but we we did stuff while we were in college to prepare ourselves for the coaching career and you got a chance to work with coach jacobson as you said uh, surprisingly you know he's been around uh, gosh he's got to be going on like year 16 17 something like that in cedar falls um, yes. you know had a had a very consi- has had a very consistent program at northern iowa uh, you know just Obviously, again, with, with show and your dad, you had this big influence, but then you go and you spend five years uh, with, with somebody else uh, that is, you know, one of the most respected coaches in the, in the region, in, in, the, in the Missouri Valley. What are some big things that you took away from Coach Jacobson uh, that, that uh, really, you know, helped form your own coaching philosophy?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. You know, Coach Jake was a master-like tactician. Uh, just his attention to detail on a daily basis. Uh, I never knew how much film you could possibly watch until I, uh, you know, got there. Now that's probably why I'm a big film junkie like I am. But, you know, we watched so much film and, and um, you know, the, the kids, the players really bought into it and they understand it. And, and I really think, um, you know, just his practice planning, uh, you know, I mean, talk about, someone that doesn't have the most superior athletes mm-hmm. in, in college basketball. You know, we're not right, getting, you know, even two three star guys, yeah. you know, let alone four or five star and to be able to compete at the level that they have, you know, made four NCAA tournaments when I was there, uh, you know, made the sweet 16, uh, almost made, you know, the round of 32 two, for two years, got beat by Purdue and Michigan state. Yeah. Um, so just the success he's had with the players he's had. Now, with that being said, you know, I'm not sure coach Jake would be a great coach in the big 10 or big 12.
0: Sure.
1: And that's not a knock on coach Jake by any means, but it's, he knows how to get the most out of the players that he gets um, and and gets them to reach their full potential. And, and, you know, kind of, he's great at living in that underdog kind of role and, you know, just getting the most out of these guys. Um, And uh, with that being said, we, you know, I, i've run a lot of sets myself now and we ran so many sets there um you know it was crazy um and just defensively in practice you know we, we would do four and four shell for 25 30 minutes of practice and you know we were gonna do it until we got it right um you know that's where his attention to detail was just so superior to anyone i had I'd seen um you know and. in Every little detail we, you know, we do five on oh, four practice started getting these sets in and go over it till we knew it right. And then when we drill it in practice, you know, the timing is everything, spaces and everything. You know, as a coach now, um, it's just crazy. You, you wish you knew all this, you know, when you were a player, but you don't yeah. know what you don't know, right? Yep, um, and, and I learned so much and, um, you know, saw. What, what it's like to grind and, and have a lot of uh, success. And, and I think that made me, uh, you know, even more hungry to become a coach.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you also uh, have a, a pretty doggone good kid here, uh, Holden uh, Arneman, uh, going to be a senior, returning All-Stater, uh, starting to get some looks. I, you know, did a, did a little deep dive here. Uh, some NAI schools are definitely looking at him, uh, GPAC type of stuff um you know and, and you you said off off roll there that uh you had a couple of kids that were division one type of players when you were down in Louisiana so you've been in this situation a couple of times where you've had some some good players that have been recruited uh what's your role kind of been uh what is what do you see as your role as their high school coach uh I know you know back again in in our day you know on our season experience it was just if you're going to get recruited is because what you did in high school now you have a you you have trainers you have all these different things but uh what what do you see as your kind of role to help your kids move on to the next level
1: yeah no great question uh you know it, it's it's crazy because i've only this is my you know be my uh ninth year as a head coach and it's changed so much you know, since I've been in Louisiana to now, you know, with the transfer portal and stuff, you know, Holden, I really believe, you know, 12, you know, 10, 15 years ago would be a, a, you know, low major division one player. No Uh question. Um, And, you know, now he's probably going to end up division two, Juco, whatever. Um, But he's got the talent. He's probably the most talented player I've ever coached. Um, You know, and he had a great, uh, summer AAU season, playing in the Nike White BL circuit, and really showed out down there at the Peach Jam. Um, you know, my first kid, that, that Thomas Howell. Um, you know, was a six eight kid, and his coming out party was at our and the state tournament, state championship down there. Um, he that's where he got his first exposure. Uh-huh. And I'll tell you what, a week after that, I got calls from AAU program after AAU program because college coaches couldn't reach out yet because he wasn't uh, old enough. Mm -hmm. um so i mean it it was crazy the i'm not gonna throw any au programs out there under the bus but they would call me and these were circuit shoe circuit teams Uh and want to set up meetings with me and so i met with a couple of the teams they'd come to school and they kind of pitched their their uh you know this is why he should play for us Blah blah. paid for you know all this and you know i was to the point i was like guys i I don't care which AAU team he plays for. I want him to have some good fit. But I'm his high school coach. Um, you know, it, it, this isn't gonna make or break me or him. Like he, he's, I just want him to get exposure and have the best fit where he's gonna excel and, and show his talent so he can get recruited. Um, you know, th- there's coaches calling me mad because he didn't come play for him. Like. Dude, I don't got time for that.
0: Like, <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. Got other things to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but, you know, I, then even – so I left after he was a sophomore, and it was crazy because I'd been up here for a year and then two years, and I had uh, – you know, Oklahoma had called me, um, you know, and some other division ones they were still calling me because I was his coach for three years mm-hmm. and just, you know, wanted to know about Thomas, kind of person he was and whatnot. Um And then I had another kid walk on to Northwestern state down there where I was at a great kid. Um, And then, you know, as far as my job, I think I have a pretty important job as their head high school coach. You know, I I'll send emails out to coaches. If I know someone, I'll contact them. Hey, can you get me in contact with this guy? You know, I really need to come take a look at, you know, my kid. I, I, you know, I think he's good. Um, You know, but it's, it's your role, I believe to, to sell them too. Yeah. Um, Right. It's, you know it's it's kind of like it's your your job and and that's why you know if you want good kids you need to take care of them yeah um and so i have tried everything I can you know i've I've gotten them into some of these uh like the Chris Paul camp and uh, a couple of these other exposure camps um, you know i've I've made tons of phone calls, emails uh out to coaches um and you know I just hate it for high school kids right now. Um, especially with the extra COVID year, everybody has with NIL and, and uh, the transfer portal. Because unless you're a blue chip, you know top 150 kid in the nation, you're not going Division One. Yeah. Um, and and you know it's tough getting D two. Yeah. Uh, and and what kids don't understand though is like how good of ball Division three schools in NIA Division two is, um, and, and it's all about finding the right fit. Like, Correct. You know where are you going to play? Yep. do you want to go to division one and sit you know sit on the bench for four years and then your redshirt senior year you know play or do you want to go make an immediate impact and be that dude um you know it, so it's all kind of like what they want um I'm not gonna you know tell them I don't want to kill their dreams and aspirations I'm gonna to try to do what I can for them but uh, at the end of the day it's their choice their decision I'm just there to you know kind of walk them through it and, and help them along the way mm-hmm
0: Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, Strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96 page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Jason, at this time, we're going to we're gonna switch up gears here a little bit. Uh, our It's time for our little John Wooden quote of the day. Uh, Coach Kern, are you ready for the John Wooden quote of the day, my friend? I'm ready. All right. From page 12, early in the book here this week, uh, from page 12 of Wooden, a lifetime of observations, the John Qu- Wooden quote of the day is, Don't take friendship for granted. Friendship is giving and sharing of yourself. If it's just, if I just, ah, screw this up. If just one side works at it, it isn't friendship. You must work at friendship. Make it a fine art. Go more than halfway. It is two-sided, just like marriage. What do you got for me, Kern?
1: I like it. And, you know, it's, it's very true. That's that's even with like a coach and player. Yeah. Uh, I tell my kids all the time, you know, like, if I'm going to be there to open up the gym and... and... Take time away from my family. You guys got to give a little for me. I can't want it more than you guys want it. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the way I see it in, in coaching with that aspect. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to buy in and give everything I got, I need it from uh, their end as well.
0: Uh, you know, I have actually used kind of that um, that same type of thing. Uh, I, 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 again, history nerd here. The, the Jean-Jacques Rousseau, uh, what I call the social contract. You know, you expect this of me, and I'm fine with that. But also, here's my expectation of you. And if you if you're going to expect this out of me, I plan on delivering. But then, you're that's your end of the bargain as well. And and I think that uh, friendships, relationships, I, I think they need to be continually cultivated. I, I, I think in some ways it's never been easier to keep friendships. Alive, you can just text somebody quick in the middle of the day. You think of something and you you send it to them or whatever. And and uh, but but you can't be you you can't be that person that doesn't talk to somebody for for four years or whatever. And then oh hey yeah, can you be a reference for me on this gig here or something like that? Uh, it, it is it is a fine art. Uh, it is something that needs to be nourished. Uh, you have to share share yourself. Friendship isn't always going to be convenient. Uh just just so many things that go into it that I think that uh it's a life lesson uh, you know we're we're supposed to teach kids about jump shots and and footwork and and defensive positioning but this is one of those things don't you think Jason that it's also part of our responsibility to teach bigger picture stuff to our players and if we fail to teach them important things like this then we've really failed at our job because we should be teaching more than basketball as well.
1: Uh there's no true word spoken. I think that's the number one job uh, you have as a coach, really. Um, you know, a lot of time you're the, you're that father figure for these kids. Uh, you know, you're probably around them more on a day to day, you know, yearly basis than they're they're around their parents with as much time. You know, we spend around these kids during basketball season, so if we can teach them about the game of life, um, you know, through basketball, I think you've won.
0: Mm-hmm. It doesn't
1: matter about the wins and losses at that point.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So. Well, hey, let's uh, let's jump into some of your X's and O's stuff here, Coach. Uh, it's been a while, and I jumped on this right away when I saw you fill this out on the paperwork. You want to talk some little baseline out-of-bounds plays. And I am excited to talk baseline out-of-bounds plays with you here, Coach Kern. So um, at, at this time, I'm just going to kind of let you cook here. And wherever you go, that's where we go. Uh, Tell us about your, your philosophy. If you want to talk offense and defense, that'd be great. Uh, How do you, how do you implement things? What's your playbook look like? Uh, You know, how many out of bounds plays do you have? You know, so wherever you want to go with it, Jason. And, and when I interrupt you, uh, I'll try to do so politely, but, but just tell us about your philosophy on, on out of bounds plays. Yeah, no, I,
1: you know, I think blah, I call them blobs. Um, I I think you know they're so underlooked. I think you can steal six to ten points a game on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we're really bought into them. Uh, you know, beginning of the year we'll have four to six, and what I try to do um, to disguise them is, is we run all of them out of the same set. Yep. So like, you know, and they'll change. Like I said, year to year or whatever. But like last year we ran all of them out of the box set, mm-hmm. and so our calls for them are we we have a number system so. One, two, three, four, five, six. But I, I can say like 41, uh, 52, whatever the second number is, that's the play we're running. So Ooh. teams can be like, oh, here's number two. So, you know, we'll be like, all right, I want to go uh, 46. Okay. Or let's go 62. Ooh. It's always the second number. And the kids know that. And what's nice is they're all out of the same set, right? It's all out of the same yeah. box set. So no team ever knows what we're actually going to run. Okay. Um and so you know we'll have usually six of them um you know right away and I, I we were very efficient uh this year uh with our baseline out of bounds set and uh we have we have man sets and then we have zone sets. Um so with the zone sets uh we usually then we'll we'll switch around where the first number is the what we're going to run. Mm-hmm. And the second number doesn't mean anything, um, but like I said, and there's a couple of the plays that can be run against a man in a zone. But primarily, we have we have two different sets. One one sets for man, the other sets for uh, a zone. Um, and I, truthfully, you know, like I say, steal a lot of stuff, right? Yep. So a lot of these I stole from uh, Gonzaga um, with their their box sets um, that they run. And one that's been lethal for us, uh, especially with our point guard, is um, you know, imagine we're a box set, uh, ball ball side, say we're on, it's on the right block, ball side is your five man. My best player, my point guard's on the other block. And then we got a four and a five up at the elbows. We'll pop that five man out to the corner, throw it to him, and then we're setting a stagger away for that point guard. Mm-hmm. And we're just reading it. Guys, switch it. We bury him with, we'll slip with our bigs. Um, If they shortcut it, we flare him. Um, if they chase, we we curl it. Um, but he probably scores, like I said, you know, at least at least two threes a game off that. Of yeah, uh, coming off, and people know it's coming. And the best part is, you know, we have a counter to it. Um, You know, three counters to it. So we'll run that once or twice, and then they think, oh, it's coming again. Here it is, and then we'll hit them with something else, and they don't know because we're running out of the same set. So, mm-hmm. and I just think it's hard to scout, right? Like, yeah, they, they can scout all they want, but they aren't going to know what's coming. They're going to have to go through six or eight different plays. And do they have time for that? Especially if we played someone Tuesday and now we have a game Friday, like you got two days, you're going to spend all your time going over, you know, eight of our baseline out of bounds plays. Sure. Yep. No, I agree.
0: I agree. Well, and, and I think it's a way and, and you had, you had alluded to it, you know, West branch, you know, when you were at mid-prairie, it wasn't a, a big game, so to speak. You've done good things to improve the program, had had you know done some good stuff and part of that, well, at, at any level of the game, I really embrace the special teams, not that I didn't before, but even more so when when taking over a program that was struggling, defending out- of- bounds plays and and giving up four less plays a game or four less points a game and getting four more points a game that's an eight point swing and that's a massive that's a massive massive thing that you can do and if you prepare your teams well this is where coaching comes into play there's you know you can't do anything when you had the 68 kid that's a division 1 kid at, at in louisiana there was probably nothing, a lot of the teams that you're, you know, they could scout it all they wanted. They still couldn't probably stop the kid with certain teams that you played against. But here's ways that you can win on the margins. And, and if you design your stuff well, and if you have a good plan on how you're going to defend out-of-bounds plays, this is where marginal victories come
1: into play. Yep. Sorry, rant Oh, over. for sure. For sure. And, and defensively, so – I mean, I guess I don't want to jump into, but like this is kind of scouting wise too. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm uh, I'm a nerd when it comes to this. Man, I love watching film. My wife hates me for it because I'm constantly doing it. And takes my <laughs> family time, but I I know everybody's stuff. You know, I look for hand calls. I'll go watch film. I rewind it. I'll turn the volume on. You know, anything I can do to get an edge. You know, that's I take pride in that. Um, you know, I don't think. I want to work harder than any coach that I'm going to go against and, and be prepared more than any coach I can go against. I just think
0: mm-hmm. I
1: owe that to my kids, and, and I want them to be prepared, so I, I need to be prepared. Yeah, My assistants need to be prepared. So, um, you know, on a, a night-to-night basis, depending on who we're playing, you know, we might go 2-3 zone, a 1-3-1 not am out of bounds, you know, uh, a straight man, and we might be switching everything. Um, it, it all kind of depends on what they're going to run. Uh, you know, we're going to do a little bit of everything. And, um, you know, with that being said, you got to have kids that buy in and, and listen because, you know, you have to go over that in practice and it's going to take some practice time. But mm-hmm. like I said, I think if you can limit the other team from what I think is some easy baskets and steal some points, um, you know, I think that gives you an advantage right away in the game.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, How much time are you spending on out-of-bounds
1: plays? Um, So, I mean, as far as ours, that we run offensively, not that much because our our kids know them now at the beginning of the year quite a bit. Uh But every practice we're going to spend, you know, it's usually one of the last things we do. Uh, We're going to do go over our stuff for about five minutes and then the other team's stuff for about five minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and then that next day, uh, you know, we might hit it again, and and depending what the team's going to run, you know, are we playing a zone team that night? Are they going to zone us up on baseline out of bounds? You know, what are they going to do? That's what all of our focus is going to be for that practice or two leading up to that game.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you talk about running everything out of the same formation last year, you did box stuff. Uh, if if you decide to shift your formations, is it kind of the same? concepts like one year might be boxes and and two years from now you decide maybe go four low but it's the same type of concept you're just number one is now number one only a little bit differently this way because we're running out of a four low as compared to a box is, is that kind of the way you, you try to do stuff as well coach
1: yes for sure for sure and you know what else i like with some of the baseline i you you can get some of them steal them and you can turn them into your you know, half-court offense stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done that numerous times, too. Or you might have a half-court set that you really like. Um, You know, you can you can run that um, as, a, as a baseline out of bounds or try to morph it into that. Mm-hmm. But, yes, yeah, we're always probably going to do that. You know, I have in the past. We've had some names, like I'll steal it from a college team, we'll call it. Like, like I had one that was Eggy because I stole it from Texas A&M. Uh-huh. You know, stuff like that. But... Like I said, when you were calling that, then the other team knows that, though, right? Yeah. So that's where we're trying to trying to change what we do. Um, I, I learned that from a coach uh, at Snow Valley, um, uh, probably like four or five years ago. Uh-huh. He had said something about it, and I was like, you know, that that's that's a good idea. I wonder if that's going to be too confusing for my kids or not, and it's, it's worked out great for us so far. So good stuff.
0: Uh, anything else on out of bounds plays, Jason? I don't think so. All right, then let's jump into your half-court offense. And like you said, you uh, after working with Jake, uh, uh, Coach Jacobson, you know you you have you know you're running a lot of sets, doing a lot of different things. Uh, Tell us about your half-court philosophy, what you're doing there, um, how you're implementing things. Again, just going to kind of let you cook for a few minutes, man.
1: Yeah, so you know I'm a firm believer in this. It's it's going to change year to year based on your personnel. You know I'm at a, a Smaller 2A school. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't get to go out and recruit like a division one and, hey, here we go. I need this five man. I need a point guard. I need this two that can shoot it. So really, I think if you're a good coach, you've got to change your ways on a year to year basis. Like, I'm not going to run a three out, two in, trying to feed the post when I've got two 510 post players that can't score with their back to the basket. Yeah. You know, I got to find an offense that's going to fit that philosophy, that core of. Of players that i want to try to get the balls to so um you know the, the past couple of years we haven't really had any bigs mm-hmm. um you know my best big the kids at animal He's he's five foot eleven six foot maybe uh you know he averaged 17 points and 10 rebounds last year yeah but he's not a kid that i can post up with his back to the basket now we might be able to get a mismatch on him mm-hmm. but that's where we we try to isolate kids and, and get them in positions where they're good at you know, we yep. have this couple sets where we can do that for a big. And, and like, I have, I've got a stud point guard that's that's the real deal. He's pretty good. So, I mean, obviously we've got a lot of sets garnered to him. Um, and, you know, having him coming off screens and and setting him up for different looks. Um, you know, but continuity-wise, you know, run like a, a dribble-drive, uh, read-and-react kind of hybrid. Um you know some of the ideas on it. You know, obviously, we're trying to get paint touches, get to those elbows. Uh, any anytime we have a baseline drive, we're going to cut that forty-five man to the front of the rim. Um, now, if we're playing a four-round one, look out of that redirect. Anytime we drive baseline, the big's going to replace the front of the rim, and then that opposite guard in that forty-five slot is going to cut kind of to the side of the rim backboard area. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime we drive middle. Um, say I'm, I'm on the left wing and I'm penetrating the middle uh, we are going to cut the baseline guy to the rim if he doesn't get it he's going all the way to opposite mm-hmm. we're going to move that guy that's in the right slot or 45 and he's going to full corner so we're opening up a, dri- a double triple gap gotcha. we want to try to drive as many double and triple gaps as possible uh, we want to pass through the single pa- uh, gaps um, and really just trying to space that floor out as much as possible, because we got a couple of kids that can really break people down off the dribble and, and give them some freedom. Um, you know, first and foremost, we want to push that thing in transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we also run, you know, form of 20, uh, more of like Gonzaga's, where the poster out on the perimeter instead of down in the, uh, dunkers and blocks. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's all, you know, personnel based what we got in there, but, you know, we have different options on it. It all depends, you know, how is the opposing team, uh, you know, guarding our ball ball screens that night. Uh, you know, if they're switching, you know, we're going to slip. We have slip keys Call it Shocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if they're going to drop show, we are really going to come off tight of that screen and and put that big man in a predicament, and we're going to dive hard of the rim. I got one big pick and pick and pop, so we'll do some things with that with them. Um, we'll run uh, motion strong. It's pretty universal, you know. Four round one, I had a dominant post down at St. Mary's in Louisiana. We did this with, and I had a, another kid uh, two years ago at uh, West Branch uh, when we were really good. Um, six six big, um, so it's four round one. Look, he's posting up ball side block every time, and then we're staggering away yeah. the opposite side. So, hopefully, you got some guys that can shoot around. We did that year. Um, and so, you know, you're going to pick your poison. Are you going to, you know, be in help side and, and double that post? Because if not, if you're going to front him, we're throwing over top, easy too. Yep. Or if you're going to play behind, we're going to give it to him. He's got a deep post touch on the block, we're scoring. Now, if you're going to double, we got a kid coming off a stagger that can shoot it.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, pick your poison. How are you going to guard that? Um, and then we flirted a little bit with that uh, circle motion continuity. And I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh-huh. Um, it's almost kind of like a look with motion strong, but you, you, um it's five out uh so just imagine five out guy on the top of the key throws uh say he throws to the right slot he's going to cut through he's brushing the first guy is going to carol through off a brush it's not even a screen he's just brushing his guy kind of like putting a dribble drive look and then he's down screening for the guy in the corner to, to pop up and replace gotcha. and then it's just a continuity to both sides um that can be good sometimes when we're stagnant and we need to just get something moving. Uh, we like doing that stuff, but like other than that, I said uh, we we run a lot of sets, man, mm-hmm. um, and it's all garnered through uh, your personnel. You know, you, you want to get your big guys, and, and I'll tell you what. This last year, we got freaking boxing one and triangle and two a lot of times, so I really had to dig deep and and go in and, and really try to find some stuff. And um, you know, I found some things that worked, some things that didn't uh you know a lot of that I, I found out you know sometimes you just run a man offense against that stuff yeah run your zone offense against it mm-hmm. but it depends what guy's getting boxed and where you need him at that place yeah. and then obviously these other guys have to step up and score because yeah. you know your number one guy like we, we literally two or three games we played this year my point guard got triangled too like him Yep. so yeah. um but you know you know, we, we've done that on teams. Um, there's a couple of years ago, we had a kid and we boxed and won, he had 32 against us and we beat him both games. He had 32 and 33. But the nice thing is, is these other kids aren't used to being in that scoring attack mentality. They don't know yeah. what to do with it when they get the ball, especially mm-hmm. at certain places on the floor. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's, it's a really good idea. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, now what you're doing to that coach is you're making them, Hey, I got to, prep this whole week to get ready for when we play West Branch because this stupid current is going to do this <laughs> to us you know so like you know I see both both sides of it and uh, yeah. you know a lot of times though like with I when I said of him he my player would get so frustrated I was like dude just play just yeah. play basketball
0: yeah like
1: you can't think about it because it gets in your head mentally and then you're trying to force something like um, you know, the biggest thing is he's our point guard. So this year we're going to try to play him off the ball a little bit and get the ball out of his hands and have him come off some more screens and, and you know, really punish the other team by having to guard multiple screens, you, know, uh, you know, go through multiple screens, guard mm-hmm. for, you know, a long period of time. Um, and I think we got a, a couple other kids that can handle the ball for us at point guard and, and, and a couple more guys that can shoot it from the premier, which will help space out the floor this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're excited about um, what we have coming back. Just knock on wood, uh, you know, we got to keep everybody healthy from football. Last year they made it to the state semifinals and our three best players were, were all injured. So it's, it's hard to start the season off like that. But, you know, you can't do anything about it. Um, you got to be prepared and ready for what's ever thrown at you. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter. Send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail dot com or order from our website a pen and a napkin dot com. Be sure to check out the a pen and a napkin video library. Let's let's talk about you know your 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 heavy set philosophy there, uh, Jason. Uh, you know how much how much you know first. Yeah, I'm gonna ask this question first. How much do you carry over from year to year? How many how many years is you know how or what percentage of your plays Spartan is this year? It's going to be Spartan next year, and it's going to be Spartan the year after that. Uh, and and how much of it is is team specific for that particular team?
1: Yeah, okay, great question. So there's probably I would say ten to fifteen sets. Like we're going to run no matter who we have. Okay. Like I think they're good quick hitters that we can steal a bucket. Um, but like with this point guard I have and this other year, uh, this kid's a four man could play three. I'm going to have sets garnered to them that I wouldn't do on a, any given year if I didn't have a player of that caliber at that position. Sure. Um, you know, but we run a lot of stuff out of a 1-4 high and a horns look.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, I just think it's so effective. And another thing that we really started to do last year, that we're going to do a lot of this year, is like a, we call it 41 high, but it's kind of like a motion uh, motion strong type uh, deal where... We are, uh, instead of having the big man on the low block, we're going to play him at the, you know, free throw line area. Uh And so then now whenever we throw the ball, he's setting back screens for the the guy is. And then he can go set away screens, and then he can pop out catch. He can go into DHL. um, He can go set a ball screen. So give them some freedom. Um, I think we have a a guy that can play there this year, and that can also go post up that will be effective. And what that does is it really opens up the court um oh. it's hard to play and help side on it and now you don't have a big that's sitting down on the block clogging the lane uh-huh. and and so it really puts pressure on the defense that way uh-huh. um but yeah set to set basis i would say you know we're doing you know 10 to 15 are going to carry over uh-huh. and then i'm a huge especially against zone man we're like we've got two to three continuities that we run
0: uh-huh.
1: but Man, we've got a lot of sets for a zone. Mm-hmm. I, I love dissecting zones, and and because you need them, man. Because sometimes you just get so stagnant against a zone, and and you got to have something to to get you out of it. Especially atos, um, you know. I'm, I'm I kind of script the start of a game like an offensive coordinator in football.
0: Sure.
1: Our first five possessions, uh, you know, based on our scouting report, what we've seen they've run, we've got our first five possessions planned out. Mm-hmm. what we're gonna run um and i just feel like that is uh it helps us uh you know kind of get off on the right foot of a game like uh y- you know you're prepared and you know even if it doesn't go right we know what we're gonna run mm-hmm. um instead of uh we're just gonna go let's go five out yep dribble around and have some kid jack up some 32 footer to start the game you know <laughs> we're, we're gonna get a kid that we want to score the ball and the right place, those first five possessions. Yeah, and then we'll kind of play off it after that.
0: Yeah,
1: and I always like kind of setting a ball screen. You know, one of those first two possessions to see, like, all right, how are they going to guard it tonight? Mm-hmm. Are they going to, you know, hedge? Because if they're going to do something different, we've got to be able to adjust. And then, you know, if our game plan was to play versus a hedge all night, and they don't hedge or drop showing, we're going to have to adjust the way we call our plays and come off ball screens.
0: Mm-hmm. So. All together, uh, on your play sheet there, on, on your Andy Reid play sheet there, how, m- how much you got on there, Kern?
1: Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and, and hopefully you don't look like
0: Wilford Brimley over so, there either, too. So. My
1: assistants make fun of me sometimes. My kids do, but my kids love it because, they, they, you know, it's fun for them to have different plays, and, and especially if one's to them. Um, but, I mean, I'll pull out one from last year. I don't even know. Two, four, six. I probably got 30 on this card. Wow. Now, will we use 30? No. No. But no. I'm I'm one of those people that I'm weird. Like, I want to be prepared. I don't want to be at the end of a game and not have a play. Sure. Um, and, and that's the biggest thing is, you know, how much these kids actually pay attention at a timeout. I want to have this play rehearsed. So, yes, I'm still going to draw it up on the board, but it's not going to be the first time they've seen it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So... Um we 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 have everything written out and, and drawn out that we've gone over at practice or mm-hmm. um you know through a scouting report. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another thing I do this year is you know my kids always want like plays drawn up but I, I hate giving them out cuz they leave them around somewhere. Sure. Not that I even care if another coach gets it like whatever. Have my plays it's not a big deal. You still got to play us. But I, I I wasn't a very good learner that way. Per se, like, I I didn't like looking at a sheet. I was more of a visual guy. Like, I had to see it. So we have that huddle uh, assist and that camera, the huddle focus. Yep. So what we're going to do is, you know, probably, you know, first two weeks or beginning each practice, we'll go five on O. And I'm going to, you know, we'll have a practice film and and we'll have the guys go through the sets and we'll have three different groups going through them. And each kid has huddle and I'll be like, you know, you want to learn them and, and know them instead of me giving a sheet of paper you go back and watch the first ten minutes of practice. Yeah, we have every single play right there, and I think that'll be a a, a great way for the kids to understand and learn the plays even better this year than they yeah. have been able to before. Well, then Some you can.
0: You can also see who's watching huddle too.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yep. Um, what's the implementation process like? You know, you know, how long uh, does it take for, for you to kind of go through this? Um, you know when do you implement it in, in these sets in practice? Uh, how much time do you spend in practice uh working on this stuff?
1: yeah, so will you, uh we'll do it at the beginning of practice we'll do about ten minutes and I'll uh split them up into two ends and I'm lucky to have a really good assistant coaches man and blessed with that and they they work just as hard as I do, if not harder, and are prepared so I'm not scared to give them another team on the other end. Uh-huh. You know, I usually take the first five to seven kids and and they'll take the next five to seven, whatever. Um our varsity and JV practices together. So um but we'll go over, you know, I might put in like to start the season first week of practice we'll probably put in, depending how much they pick up, like a lot of them are repeat, right? Like we said, like 15 of them yeah. that they know. Mm-hmm. But I've got some kids that haven't played varsity ball this year. They're in a different position. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, depending on how much they pick up, we'll probably put in five to eight that first practice. Um, you know, because a lot of them are on the same set, just a little bit different wrinkle out of each one. Um, and then when we do it five on all, we'll do it. And then we'll do another segment of practice where we go five on five, just half court with office on offense for 15 minutes. And we'll run through our sets and just our continuity stuff and motion offense. Um, Then we'll run up a little bit down, down back, stop, you know, segments like that um, Uh where we're constantly going over it.
0: Uh
1: Um, And like I said, with the baseline out of bounds, we usually do that at the end of practice. And then I've really, you know, I, I listened to a Jeff Van Gunney podcast about it was during COVID three, four years ago. And he said, if he would go back and coach, he would never do um, kind of drill based stuff again. He would do everything on a five on five. And I'm not so much to that um, diehard extent, but man, a lot of our practice now we're coaching five on five. Yeah. So even when I show it, I've got a, a, you know, a dummy defense out there because sometimes I think it's hard to do it on air. Cause Spacing and timing purposes, and where am I setting the screen? Where's this at? I think it's good to have a defense in there and 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 run it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, then the, the kids always get mad. Oh, they're they're playing the play, blah blah. I said, great, let them. Yeah, I said, yeah, it's going to prepare you know for a game. Um, yep. it's going to be harder here in practice than it is in a game. Yep. And guess what? If they're cheating that, you cheat it and counter it, like. Quit! Quit complaining to me about that, you know. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a process for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might have to keep going over it and over it. But we're no, we're not going to drill it for thirty minutes and waste all the practice on it. But sure. uh, you know, I'm going to spend ten minutes on it though for sure,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, just to implement it. And then we're going to go over it in our half court setting. And then um, when we do, we do our I call them three minute games. Mm-hmm. So we do three minute games, sometimes or four minute games. Sorry, um, you know I've got a, a team with me. My assistant is coaching the other team. Um, then we got another assistant refing, and we're playing a game. It's three minutes and so zero zero. We're playing to whatever at the end of that four minute segment is. And um, I script it. I'm gonna. We're, usually in that though, we're doing like the first two or three possessions. I'm calling a play, and that's what we have. And then we're just letting them play unless we can get out in transition and go. Yeah. Um, and the kids really like that, um, mm-hmm. you know, because they're getting to play and it's game-like, um, you know, and depending who we're going to play that, that week, they're going to be a zone team. We're going to go against zone. Yeah. Or if it's a man teams that's run jumping, we're going to go against that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's a uh,
0: great transition here, Jason, to our last topic. Let's talk a little scouting here. Uh, how do you get your teams prepared? Uh, what's your process? Uh, are you a live scout guy? Are you a film guy? Uh, just kind of what goes into to, to getting West Branch ready to go for a Tuesday or Friday night in the middle of the winter.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I don't think there's ever anything that will beat live scouting. Um, but now with Huddle, man, and and now even all these games are on YouTube, you can watch them live. Um, but being at the game and actually seeing it and seeing guys in warm-up lines, I think you know, you'll never be able to beat that. But now with uh, two little kids and a uh, third one on the way, it's... gotta be dad at home so
0: yeah
1: wife doesn't let me get out as much um nor do i want to i want i want to be home with the family so a lot of it's just uh scouting huddle wise um but first and foremost man is is personnel based like i'm going to we're gonna get personnel and uh my assistant is is a film junkie like me he uh his job is he's our kind of our defensive coach and he does all of our personnel clips. So he goes through, you know, their top five, seven players,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: he gets at least five to ten clips of each uh, kid we're about to face. Um, and then I'm, I'm a huge guy of personnel. Like, you know, we, we want numbers. You know, can this kid shoot it from three? How many is he taken? Uh, you know, free throw percentage. Like, is this someone we want to foul put on line at the end of the game? Uh, and then, you know, can this kid go left? You know, a lot of kids, I don't even care if they're, they think they can, like no one's good at using their weekend. Yeah. Like you're not comfortable, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, especially if a kid can't though, like we're going to push them that can, man, and take away, um, something that they're used to doing all the time. Uh, and, and just knowing personnel, I think is huge. Yeah. Um, and when your kids know it, then they feel prepared, right? Like, are yep. like, Oh, I know this kid. I know him more than you do. So I always tell them, you know, go watch these clips you need to know this kid that you're guarding. What's he like to do? And we quiz him on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, the second thing is, is, what do they do offensively? You know, um, what are their go-to sets? You know, what guys do they like to get the ball? Are they a transition team? Are we really going to have to, you know, are we going to shoot it and we got to send four guys back this game or you know are, are they going to be a slow walk it up team can we send four you know even five guys in the glass this game because we're not worried about them in transition yeah you know are are, are we um gonna play zone that game um you know sometimes we play two three uh you know you know how how are we going to guard them uh ball screen wise you know the biggest thing is, is telling your kids why like yeah Yep. You can't just tell them, "Hey, we're doing this." Like you need to tell them the why. Like that's that's being a coach. Like you can't expect them to know anything. They're novice, right? Like uh, they got to know the why. Why are we doing this, coach? You know. And if you can't answer it, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Yep. Um, you you got to be able to teach it and coach it, and and really sometimes you have to dumb stuff down, and and really good dig deep and. Um, and whatnot there uh you know, you know talking about
0: talking about dumbing it down jason it doesn't matter what you know about the other team if your kids can't guard it or execute it it doesn't matter so you you do oh, you, no you, you have to put it in a way where yeah you may think that they should be able to do this and this and this but if they can't you got to figure out another way to do it so sorry um good. you know interrupted you there but yeah that, that just popped into my head while you were saying that
1: yeah, and then, you know, obviously, what do they do defensively? Uh, are they a man team? Are they a zone? You know, are they a pressure man? Are they switching everything? Um, you know, if they're switching everything, you know, we're going to have some quick hitters that we're going to slip a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, hey, if they're going to switch this one-to-five screen, we're going to do that all night. Mm-hmm. So I'm either going to mismatch with my point guard or i got to post on a little guy. We're going to take advantage of it. You know, are they zone? What what type of zone are they in? Are they playing 3-2, 1-3-1, 2-3? Um, are they pressing? You know what kind of press breaker they is. It a is it a zone two two one a one two one one, you know full court man. We got to be prepared for that. Um, how are they guarding ball screens? Are they hedging? Are they drop showing? You know switching. We we want to know all that stuff um, so we can be prepared and, and have a game plan so our kids can execute. Because um, at the end of the day, if, if we don't have them ready, you know it's our fault. It's mm-hmm. never going to be their fault. And, and like I said. Practice is is a coach's time to shine
0: mm-hmm.
1: right like that's yeah. our time that's our time to be the guy. um a game is the player's time, you know all the haze in the barn it's it's time for them to execute. We've done everything we can do um yeah, you might be able to drop up a set or something to help or make an adjustment, but that's the player's time to shine, man um, your time as a coach it's time to shine and and be ready to perform is in practice, and you you gotta bring that energy and enthusiasm every day, you mm-hmm. know. I've you know heard this once and it's so true. A kid never has a bad practice. It's it's always the coaches that have a bad practice. It's their fault. You know mm-hmm. you got to be ready to adjust and adapt, and that goes with our scout as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, the next thing is uh, our blobs. You know, are we facing? Are they going to run a zone? Are they running man? Are they staying with screens? Are they switching? Um, you know, because depending on what they're doing, we're going to run our our blobs different. Uh, same thing with us what are we doing blob defensively like i said we prepare every game it's going to be differently depending on what the other team runs sometimes we might be in a two three zone uh sometimes we'll be in a straight man or sometimes we'll be in a switching man so it's going to change on a night-to-night basis uh what are after timeouts um you know plays what what are we prepared to run um we're going to go over that what are theirs like, mm-hmm. wh- what do they like to do? You know, we play against some coaches. There's there's a lot of good coaches in our conference. Um, you know, after a free throw, you know, one of the teams we play, they go to a one three one zone. Uh zone, something that you wouldn't find out unless you scouted them. Like, every time after a free throw, they're in a one three one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then after a timeout, you know, are they going to switch it up on you? Or have they been playing main all game, but after a timeout, you know, they're going to go 2-3 or 3-2. you got to be prepared for that. Um uh, just little things like that. Um, you know, who to foul, um, you know, personalized, like I talked about. And then end of game. You never know, you know, what the game's going to be like. You got to be ready. Um, you know, dig deep into their film, go to one of their closed games. What yeah. was an end of game set that they ran? You know, be ready for that. Be prepared. So they call a timeout. Maybe you already ran over it in your scout, but now I can draw it up on the board. My kids are prepared. I'm going to be prepared. With what we're gonna run against it, uh, you know, vice versa. And then, you know, what are you guys gonna run? You know, what are we gonna run uh in the game? Mm-hmm. You know, five seconds left, we need a two, we need a three. So all that stuff is in the scout and we you know go over that every day at the end of practice, uh special situations with that stuff.
0: yeah yeah uh, Um awesome stuff, coach. Awesome stuff. Uh appreciate your time tonight. A lot of really good things. I got some you know, I, I, I'm really lucky. I've I've had enough, 195 opportunities to do this, and most of the time, I walk out with a bunch of stuff written down for myself. And and tonight is no different. So, uh, great stuff, Jason. Uh, if, if folks want to know more about the the uh, the West Branch Bears, correct? Did I see that correct? Yes, correctly? sir. The Bears. Yeah. Uh, the Bears. If, if they want to know more about you, if they want to know more about the Bears, how can they find out about them?
1: Yeah, we uh, we have Twitter handle. Uh, I've got Twitter handle at Jason Ten. Uh, we have a uh, West Branch Bears uh, Twitter handle as well. West Branch uh, Boys Basketball. Um, all our games are streamed on on YouTube, so you can watch them live. You want to tune in this year, Marty? I might um, do that. The Bears. Hopefully, we don't bore you too much. <laughs> but um, no, I think we play an exciting brand of basketball. It's fun to watch, and and our our, our kids really really get after it. So, um, but yeah, we we got our uh, Twitter handle and. And like I said, YouTube link uh, to watch our games if anybody would be interested. Uh, anytime I can talk X's and O's or basketball, I love to. So reach out and uh, let me know.
0: Yeah, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff, Jason. Uh, you're one of the best man. I, I appreciate you, and and it's been great talking here tonight. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed your time on a pen and a napkin,
1: Marty. I had a blast. Thanks a lot, buddy, and thanks for all you do for the game. I uh, really appreciate it and. And I uh, love tuning in your podcast, so i glad I could
0: be a part of it. Awesome, awesome. We'll hold the line here a second. got to wrap up everything. Again, Jason Kern, boys basketball coach at West Branch, Iowa, the home of Herbert Hoover, and he was not responsible for the Great Depression. Let me reiterate that. He could have done more to prevent the escalation of the Depression, but it wasn't Hoover's fault. And you can take that to school tomorrow, coach. So uh, (laughs) uh, we want to thank our founding sponsor, Cosec Chiropractic. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. Uh, Download, rate, review this. Give us five stars. Again, that's really, really important. If you just take 15, 20 seconds, if you listen to this all the time, that's a simple way you can help me out. Uh, If you can just do that. Uh, Any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. It's been great talking hoops with Jason Kern here. And I hope you folks have enjoyed it because I know I have. So... Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.